The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome, welcome. Glad you are with us. We're glad we're with you, actually. Uh, technology rearing its ugly head once again, but we have succeeded. We, um, we're here. We're happy you're here. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. That is how you get involved in the program. If you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He's producing the big show tonight. And if you want to text us, you can go ahead. Sure, that's great. Uh, here's our text question of the night. It's a multiple-part text question of the night. So today, I don't know if you know, this was national is National Bologna Day. Do you eat bologna? How often and in what way are you a fried bologna person are you a bologna sandwich person do you like to just roll up bologna or did you stop eating bologna when you were a child today national bologna day matt we are uh, uh we got here by the skin of our teeth tonight yeah it, it was a tough one we had a uh, multiple uh links sent computers restarted but uh well, we're here. You, you never know how fast 10 minutes can go or how slow 10 minutes can go <laughs> until you uh, get in a situation like that. Exactly. Did you have a good uh, weekend? We weren't here yesterday. It, it was uh, a busy weekend. Very, very, very busy weekend. Three games in three states over three days. Oh, that's right. Now, no uh, no airfare problems or travel problems like you've had in the past? Not, not yet. That's for this week. Last week was all via the great roads of the United States. <laughs> uh, Friday in South Bend, Indiana, or should I say near South Bend, Indiana, the New Prairie Cougars over the Hobart Brickies in the first wow. round of Indiana State High School playoffs for football. That was a blowout from the get-go. Hobart scored first, and then New Prairie said, I'm done and uh, scored the remaining touchdowns of the game. Wow, all right. Saturday, up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Illinois Wesley and the Titans defeated the Carthage Firebirds for just their second win of the season in CCIW action. And then uh, Sunday, the DePaul Blue Demons women's soccer team uh, won late 1-0 over Villanova. So uh, wow. three, three good right. games. It's pretty good. Busy, busy weekend then. You are uh, that plus my mom's birthday on Saturday night plus Wisconsin's weekend morning news. It never stops, but it's a good grind. Yeah, never. Well, good. It's good to keep busy. Idle hands are the devil's playthings, Matt. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but just sitting around, uh, you're going to get into trouble. That's it. Oh yeah. Ring baloney is the way to go from the 608. My wife. Um, this is a like I. I don't. I'll, I'm going to confess to this. I used to eat baloney every day. From like second grade through fifth grade, uh, bologna on rye sandwiches every day for school lunch. Every day, Oscar Meyer bologna. Uh, my bologna did have a first name, O S C A R. It had a second name. It's M A Y E R. Uh, I did love to eat it every day. I'm not going to do the whole jingle, but you know what I'm saying. So um, I didn't. I don't eat bologna anymore. I can't. The thought of it after years and years of eating it every day for lunch um, are out. But my wife, who is from Michigan, loves this stuff called pickled bologna. And it's basically a ring bologna, but it's pickled. And sometimes she will just order it online and have it delivered to the house. She's the only one who eats it. My daughter doesn't like it. I don't like it. But my wife's entire family loves pickled bologna. So uh, from the 608 saying ring bologna is the way to go, um, you know, you should maybe try pickle bologna. It's a ring bologna with some uh, 
with some pickles. Peter saying I had too much bologna and spam in my youth because my folks thought they made the ideal bag lunch sandwiches and picnic sandwiches. That was enough for a lifetime I haven't had any since high school. Very uh, very similar stories, Peter, from the 262. Sorry, I'm consuming enough bologna from the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh, we'll get to that. Yes, it's um, eh, so good to know that our government is shut down, and not because of finances this time, just because of stupidity. But, uh, yes, yeah, so every year on October 24th, people across the nation uh, participate in National Bologna Day. Uh, the specialty meat is spelled bologna, E-Y, since that's how many people pronounced it. The more common spelling is bologna. That's because it originated in the city of Bologna, Italy. It's a type of sausage. It's similar to Italian mortadella. Finely ground pork and beef or beef sausage or a combination is smoked and cured. In Italy, bologna includes a variety of spices not found in American bologna. The United States regulations require American bologna be finely ground and without visible lard pieces. It hardly resembles anything found in Italy. It can be made from chicken, turkey, venison, or soy protein. Uh, so there you go. There's all kinds of varieties of bologna. I call it bologna. I think most of us call it bologna. But that's it. Uh, so today, National Bologna Day. Uh, well, I'm glad you had a good. Uh, I'm glad you had a good weekend, Matt. But I ask you I, uh, about yours. I was well. Oh, I can. I'll get into that. I can get into that a little later. But I will say this: uh, I am sunburned, so that will tell you how good it was. It was 80 degrees in Southern Illinois this weekend. Clear skies, 80 degrees. Uh, unfortunately, I was thinking of you because you had given me the prediction that it was going to be a tight game between the South Dakota Jackrabbits and the Southern Illinois Salukis because the Jackrabbits are ranked number one. Uh, it was. It wasn't looking good for the Salukis. Um, they did end up losing, but it was a much tighter game. The spread, I think, according to my daughter's girlfriend, the spread was 14 and a half. Uh, the Jackrabbits favored by 14 and a half, and they won by seven. Okay. So, yeah, the Salukis beat the, the Salukis beat the spread, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter uh, that they that they scored, and then they, you know, it looked it looked almost like they were going to pull an upset. And it was going to be great. And um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. You know what's funny, though? I was watching the teams. Now, South Dakota State had some pretty big guys on their team. The Salukis do not have really big players. Starting with their quarterback. Their quarterback is tiny. Like You know how some guys will do a jump pass just because it's their thing? This guy has to do jump passes just to get over the line of scrimmage. He is he is very wee. Um, and for some reason, it's almost like watching uh, the Chicago pro football team. When he threw deep, he connected. That's how they scored the touchdown and had some big plays. But 90% of the time, they weren't throwing deep. They were either doing a run or, you know, a quarterback keeper, and it, which is a run too. But um, I was like, okay, he seems to be able to throw downfield, probably because he – when he throws short, he has to see right over the line. When he throws deep, he can just air it out to where the receiver's supposed to be. But um, watching, watching some bigger programs, you know, I've gone to college football games at bigger schools where they recruit bigger people, and it it was just 
as I'm watching watching my alma mater, I'm like, oh boy, these guys, these guys are tiny, but they're you know five and two still, so that's pretty good. Um, but it was overall, it was a wonderful weekend. Was, five nine quarterback. Five nine. Yeah. That's, and I said something, and somebody said, "Well, you know, there were a couple other quarterbacks that were very short." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Stay in age, no. No, five nine is five nine is not. It's not short for a guy on the street. You know, it's not short for your buddy. It's short for a quarterback. Uh, but he, you know, he got the job done. My daughter didn't like that I mentioned he was short. She thought I was body shaming him. I'm like, no, I'm making a football observation. <laughs> it's really, it has nothing. I'm sure he's a wonderful young man. Small seems to be the only insult in football. Yeah. You tell a left tackle that he's huge. That's not an insult. That's a compliment. Right. But if you see a quarterback that's very small... <laughs> and it's it's obvious, you know. It's not like, hey, is that guy? Does that guy seem shorter than the other players? Is he the manager? Uh, yeah. What's what's his deal? It did, is it bring your kid to work day? Oh what man, here? this is uh, this is very short. But uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know. But that was, you know, the Salukis lost, but it was a great weekend, and the the weather was beautiful down there, and got to see some, uh, got to hang out with some old friends and see some old haunts. So overall. Not bad. And now we're back, uh, as you say, back to the grind, which is always exciting. We're going to take a quick break. And then as somebody texted in about the baloney from the House of Representatives, we'll get to that. And, of course, you can keep texting in today, National Baloney Day. Do you eat baloney? How often and in what way? We'll get to so much tonight. It's WTMJ Nights. Tuesday night, Brian Noonan here on WTMJ Nights. Our text question of the night, it's National Bologna Day. Do you eat bologna? How much? In what ways? From the 262, if you were a factory worker in the 70s, that was your lunch. Or if you were a grade school student in the 70s, that was your lunch, too. Uh, from the 414, my younger days, I had fried bologna with Thousand Island dressing sandwiches. 708, there is nothing better than fried bologna on white bread. I've never had fried bologna. I see the scene every year in Bad Santa where he tells uh, where he tells the kid uh, Thurman Merman that it tastes like a hot dog. I don't know. I've never tried it. Uh, do you count hot dogs as bologna? No, I count hot dogs as hot dogs. I count bologna as bologna, and never the twain shall meet. Uh, I'm as I'm as irrational with my hot dog bologna take as the Republicans seem to be trying to pick a speaker because they go into these secret meetings and they nominate somebody. To be to be the speaker, and then they come out and they vote and they lose. Uh, the latest Tom Emmer, who is a Republican senator from Minnesota, he w- he came out and he was ready to go. He was he had been uh, he had been in this in the speaker meeting. They had nominated him. He was going to be the guy. He's third. He's third in charge in the uh, in the Senate for the Republicans. Pardon me. All of a sudden, he comes out four hours later, he's done. He quits. He pulls out because uh, it was clear that there was absolutely no way he was going to win the speakership because, as you remember, you can only none of these Republican candidates for speaker can lose more than four Republican votes. Anything more than that, they're done. Well, 26 people had um, voted against him behind closed doors. Then there was the former president weighing in, saying it would be a major mistake, a tragic mistake, rather. He put that on Truth Social today, so obviously he's uh, he's still able to uh, he's still able to 
you know, voice his opinion, despite what he said in court the other day. So it would be a tragic mistake. Then uh, his team, Trump's team, also called GOP members, urging them to oppose Emmer for Speaker. Uh, here's the reason, or part of the reason, that they opposed Emmer for Speaker, because uh, he voted to... He voted to certify the election. He voted to, he was voted in favor of marriage equality. And he did not support a nationwide abortion ban with no exceptions. So he was moderate, I guess you could describe him as a moderate Republican. Uh, not the far right wing. And those are the 26 that voted against him. So now, once again, they are back trying to figure out what to do, and it's going to be great because, as you know, we're going to have another financial cliff that is coming up, and if the House doesn't have a speaker, then nothing can be moved forward, and then it'll be easy to just uh, blame for the, the right wing to just blame the Democrats. I'm not sure how any blame of the Democrats can be warranted in this issue, and I, you know, I don't like talking about politics much because uh, nobody's getting convinced. But if this were anything else, how could you say if one if one person at your office voted to remove your boss, and that was the rule, uh, that was the rule that Kevin McCarthy had to agree to, that one person could initiate removal, and then that a group of people at your office removed the boss and now it's been two weeks you know since we had uh, since we had a speaker so two weeks without a boss and your company can't do anything you're basically at a standstill you're all sitting at your desk you don't know and then those same people who fired the first guy come up with a second guy and everybody's like oh this second guy is awful we don't want it and nobody votes for him and he loses and then they bring a third guy, and you're all, that group that brought the third guy then goes, you know what, we don't like the third guy. So now they got nobody again. You can't blame you can't blame the people who didn't insti instigate this and who are not uh, who are not really involved in the vote. You know the Republicans have the majority. If they can't get if they can't get their own person in there, that's their own fault. But they capitulated with Kevin McCarthy to the far fringes. And whenever a party does that, either party, they're in trouble. If you let the fringe control the entire party, you are going to be screwed. And they are, they're screwed now. But pretty soon we're all going to be screwed. And I hope people know where to lay the blame. And it's it starts with Matt Gates, and it starts with the eight that voted to remove McCarthy. And now it's the 26 that didn't uh, that we're not going to have Tom Emmer in there. Marjorie Taylor Greene, oh boy, she missed out. She missed being in front of the microphone. So today she got back in front of the microphones and she was howling um, in her in the way that she does. And it was she said the reasons she didn't vote for Emmer were that he did he didn't overturn the election. He did vote for marriage equality. So all those things. That was that was her deal. Uh, where do you think this is going to land? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, I had talked to Greg Matzik last, it was last Tuesday, uh, when I was in for Jeff Wagner, and he said, what's going to get done first? Is it going to be 
the MFM Field financing deal, or is it going to be a House Speaker? And at that point, I said the MFAM Field financing was going to be done. It en- that ended up getting done last Tuesday night. Uh, this is still going on. So I can't pick football games, but I am always confident in my ability to judge the dysfunction of our government and how the people who are supposed to be representing us really don't care that much about us at all. It's all about them and their little tribal mentality. So, and that's, again, I think that with both sides. But right now, we can't, we can't say, oh, both sides, both sides. We have to be looking squarely at the Republicans because they're the ones. And the majority of the Republican Party capitulated so much to the, to the crazy fringe that this is where we're at. All right, well, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more. It's WTMJ Nights. We have a couple of text responses, additional text responses. It's National Bologna Day. Do you eat bologna? How much? How do you eat it? Uh, 855-616-1620. I think Elvis is texting us, Matt. This is going to make news. Peanut butter and bologna sandwiches. Delicious. Elvis like peanut butter and banana, but maybe he uh, maybe he's now gone to bologna. And Mary Lynn says fried bologna with fried onions on rye bread. Some mustard, too. I brought this last year. That actually, anything with fried onions, I'm in. Uh, this almost sounds like a patty melt. The fried bologna with the fried onions on rye. All right, that might uh, that might work. On the other side of the news, uh, Germantown Middle School is uh, a Germantown Middle School is off again tomorrow because of something that happened last night. We'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, oh boy, Taylor Swift back in the news. Shocker. We'll get to all of that and more. But right now it's six thirty on WTMJ. We go to the WTMJ twenty four hour news center. Jessica Gatso standing by. Brian Noonan here with you until 9 o'clock, 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk text line, Old National Bank, get old. Uh, Normally when we hear stories about school shootings, it involves, you know, somebody going into a school and opening fire. Thankfully, this story is not that, but it is still, still a little worrisome. And if you live in Germantown, or if you have children in any school because there were some students in the building when this happened we'll get into the details obviously but if you have children in school how much do you worry about this is it something that is always in the back of your head do you try to block it out because you know it would be i think just uh, overwhelming if i trying to remember back when my daughter was in you know grade school middle school high school college uh and if i thought about the fact that there could could be something horrible and tragic happening at her school every day i don't know if i would have been able to let her out of the house so and school shootings while they happened did not seem to be as prevalent as they are today. So parents, how how do you deal with this kind of news? And if you're not sure of the news, Kennedy Middle School in Germantown, Monday night there was an odd shooting and an odd interaction uh, between police and an unidentified uh, perpetrator. So there was a guy yesterday or yes, yesterday evening about 6:30. So right about now uh, police get a call 
that uh, security guy, security guard at the school saw some guy walking around the parking lot. Um, he was a groundskeeper. He uh, somebody was somebody had a big socket wrench, you know, and was trying to get the signs off that designate reserved parking. So like the, the no part the principal's parking space and different things like that. Now. As the groundskeeper approached him, he was told to get back or something might happen. That's according to the dispatch audio. Um, so he was using this ratchet wrench. He was trying to get the signs off. Police arrived. The man runs up on the roof. He turns. He fires at officers. The officers return. Officers return fire and uh, kill the guy. Okay. During that time, there were about 70 students in the school for various practices, clubs, whatever, you know, whatever students are doing in the evening at school. And there was also a school board meeting happening about a mile away. Well, the, the students in the building were evacuated right away. And they were taken to an elementary school. Their parents were notified, and they were able to go and, and pick them up there. The school board meeting was evacuated as well. Schools in, All schools in Germantown were off today. The... Kennedy Middle School is going to be off again tomorrow. Now, there's been a lot of talk to the police department and everybody else about whether this man was targeting the school, and according to the police chief, it doesn't it doesn't seem that way. The chief said, we don't believe he was targeting anything. Uh, this is just the, the strangest thing, and I'm not sure why, um, you know, other than, other than the shock and... Parents may be feeling a little jittery and uneasy about their kids going back to school tomorrow. I think this this doesn't seem like there was a, anything specific about that one school. Now they're not they haven't released any details on this shooter, which is you know good because really I think we focus on the shooter too much. Um, you know a lot of a lot of stories that I've been reading too have been focusing on the fact that. Uh, this is the fifth time this year that uh, Wisconsin police um, have killed a suspect. Five times, fifth time, oh, just this October. So the fifth time this month. And I don't know why we're tempted to focus on that, because in my mind, and I think in just about any law enforcement agency's training, if you're fired upon, you are able to fire back. And if you fire back, you are firing back to put that person down. Uh, is it, you know, is it the nicest news? No. But there's a point where you're like, well, if you shoot at cops, you kind of know what you're getting. So I think we can leave those out, those kind of details, out of a story about a school shooting. But I, I don't know. We, we do active shooter drills. This is something new that... I did not have obviously when I was in school we had fire drills and tornado drills. Those were our those were our two drills. Now we had fire drills, tornado drills and um we don't call them active shooter drills because that I do because you know, I'm a dork. But um you know, we just call them lockdown drills now at school. And so we do the lockdown drills. We had one a couple weeks ago and um you know, we tell the parents those are coming so that they don't hear about it later and freak out. Um, we do kind of give the kids a little warning, too, especially the young kids, because 
anytime a, an alarm goes off in a school, when you're in kindergarten, first, second grade, the kids lose their minds. Half of them are covering their ears, they're screaming, they're rolling on the ground. So we try to, we try to walk them through what's going to happen. And most of them, even in first grade, if you ask them, what's a lockdown drill about? They'll say it's in case uh, a bad person gets into the school. We're like, yeah, that's it, you know. It's sad that we have to tell that they have to know that, but it's also good that we, you know, they don't they don't get into big details about it. But if you are if you are a parent going through this, and you hear about this uh, this shooting, I can see parents being a little nervous. So I get I get the school being closed tomorrow. I don't think it's completely necessary, but for the mental well-being of the students and the faculty and the parents. I get it. Give it one more day. Let everything kind of relax. Everything get back to normal. Maybe answer a few more questions about this guy that it really wasn't. Didn't happen to be about the uh, the school. But it might turn out he had some beef with administration, which is why he was trying to take the signs down. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Matt has... We were talking about the ineffectiveness of the... How the Republicans in the House to elect a speaker. And before the show, Matt said, hey, I have an idea. Because these people are, they're working on our dime, but they're not getting our work done. So Matt has an idea that we're going to float out to the public. Maybe we start a referendum. Maybe things get, uh, maybe things get rolling. And we are going to reshape the pay structure for our friends in Congress. We'll do that after this. WTMJ Nights. All right, so we've been talking about the Speaker of the House, or rather the fact that we don't have a Speaker of the House because the Republicans can't get their act together and put forth a candidate that their entire party, which is the majority in the House, can decide on. Um, I have always said that I don't believe that politicians are supposed to be there serving forever. Uh, a lot of these people have been in Congress for way, way, way too long, and it shows. They're in there, and they're worried their entire focus is getting reelected, getting in front of the cameras. Uh, you've got guys like Jim Jordan who are running for speaker who has been in Congress for a while and has never authored one bill. Ah, uh, That doesn't seem right. doesn't seem really like How can you be working for your constituents if you've never really done anything? And yet we all complain and we all say, oh, they're, we're paying their salaries. Well, maybe we should pay their salaries different. Uh, Matt sent me a text right before the show. And he goes, I have an idea for restructuring the pay scale for people in Congress. And he, he gave me the rough outline. And I said, okay, I like this. I like the fact that we need to, uh, you know, these people get paid whether they do something or not. You and I don't have that luxury. I don't get paid if I don't come to work. I know Matt doesn't get paid if he doesn't come to work. If uh, if we're in the middle of a huge project, like say, I don't know, we don't have a speaker, or I don't know, the country is on the verge of financial collapse, uh, we don't get to leave for a couple days and then come back. We got to stay and get the job done. All right, Matt. So we're all very uh, we're all very cognizant of the fact that we don't like to pay these people to do nothing. What do you propose? For us to do. Well, before I get to my proposal, let's play a little guessing game. All right. How much do you think, well, there is no Speaker of the House, but how much do you think the Speaker of the House makes when there is a Speaker of the House annually? 
$263,000. Close, off by uh, 40K. $223,500. Well, that was pretty close. That's pretty how much good. the speaker makes. Regular senators, $174,000. And then leadership, such as the pro tempore, the Senate, 193400 So... Those are some numbers for some context. Right. I don't make nearly that much. That a lot of people listening would really like to make. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure there are a lot of people that would love to make that. And we all work hard to make that, to make the amount of money that we do. So here's my proposal. Like every single salesman and saleswoman in this country, and like every athlete, you look at the Giannis's of the world, the Dame Lillard's of the world, the Christian Yelich's of the world. They have their guaranteed money that they get up front. That's the number that we're all presented. Sure. And then they have incentives. For example, if Christian Yelich hits X amount of home runs, he gets a bonus. We see it at the end of every NFL season. If he's able to turn around, turn it around and Jordan Love is able to throw X amount of touchdown passes, I'm sure there's a bonus attached to it. Right. If there's these, playoff bonuses. There's all exactly. Bonuses. Everything. If a salesperson sells X amount of cars or whatever they're selling in a certain month, they get commission. They get bonuses. Why can't we hold our government and our Congress people to the same standard? They're making all this guaranteed money to do nothing. They have no leader. We're on the verge of a financial crisis in the government. We're on the verge of everything being shut down. They're not doing anything. Four hours a guy was on the ballot. Four hours. What are we doing? I'm paying you to work. Honestly, if I was on the hiring committee, which I am on the hiring committee, we all are on the hiring committee of our Congress. We got to do a better job. But we don't, we don't, as the hiring committee, we don't seem to care. Well, most of us will complain and then we will keep rehiring the same people over and over and over. And there's really, they're not held to any kind of accountability. For the most part. Well, there I got to ask this question to everybody listening. If you were the manager of a business. Yes. And your employee was not doing the job that they needed to do. I don't care what your business is. Would you keep paying them money to go to work and sit there and not get the job done? Whatever your answer may be, you got to hold like, the government to the same standard. I think what well, you raise a you raise a wonderful point. And I think on common sense terms, obviously, anybody who says they would keep paying somebody to do nothing is a liar or a really bad business person and is going to be bankrupt very, very quickly. But we don't hold we don't hold politicians, unfortunately, to the same criteria that we hold each other when we're going to work. Um, You know, if we don't deliver, there's going to be there's going to be a reckoning. You know, if if you work at an ad agency uh, and you're Jim Jordan and you never come up with an idea, uh, you're probably not going to hang around very long. If all you want to do is stand in front of your business and get attention and you don't want to actually do anything, you're not going to be there that long. But I like the... I, now, would you... I then would say... You got to cut those. You got to cut the guaranteed money that's already there because the guaranteed money must be too high. I say less than six figures, honestly, for junior Congress people. And you know what I think that would do. And I'm I'm also a fan of term limits. You're going to get the people who aren't in it for the money, 
and aren't in it for the glory. If you're paying first-year Congress people 90 grand, which is not a bad salary, a lot of people would like to make 90 grand for two years or four years. Then they can either go back into private practice. If they did something before, they could go back to that. They could run for statewide office. They could run for something else. They can continue a career, but they also know, all right, this is what you're going to make. And maybe your first year, and if you get a couple bills passed, there's a sliding scale. We look and we go, okay, second year, hey, look at this. This, uh, this person came into Congress. They authored four bills. Two of them got passed. Uh, they're on these, this committee, this committee, this committee. And I think, I think if you are, uh, you know, even if you're a freshman congressperson, if you were uh, appointed to a committee, maybe there's a little bump. Because that's extra responsibility. It's extra hours. You get paid by the hour. Right. So you throw, you throw some, uh, a little extra money their way. And then every year, you get a yearly review. Now, you know you're not going to get, you know you can't get uh, tossed out unless you're impeached for some reason. You know you have that window of time that your, uh, your term is. But there's still a yearly review. And that's how you make your money. So it go, it's, it's what you're saying. I like what you're saying, that we have to, you want to make some money? Well, then you got to do the work. You got to deliver for the people. And, you know, if you can't pad it, you can't, you can't author 78 bills that are just crazy. No, you got to get it to the level. level. Right. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, it, perfect it. example. Jordan Love does not have a bonus based on number of completions. Correct. He has a bonus yeah. based on the amount of touchdowns he throws. Yep. And it, will you get your team to the playoffs? Exactly. And will you get to the next round? Will you get to the Super Bowl? Those are all ways that people are uh, people are compensated above and beyond their guaranteed salary. What do you think of uh, Matt's theory? Should we start? Should we start holding people in government accountable via their pay? Start to pay a little lower. And you do good, you get some bumps. You don't do well, well, you stay at that level, and hopefully you're booted out. 855-616-1620. It's WTMJ Nights. All right, listen, Peggy Waukesha likes your idea, Matt. She says, great idea. I'm all for it. So that's one. Now we just got to, I don't know what the... uh, I don't know what the uh, quorum has to be to get us on the ballot, but we're working on that. On the other side of the news, we are going to uh, talk a little bit about self-checkout. We've got to talk with Taylor Swift. Now, I have one Taylor Swift story. Matt just Matt clued me into another Taylor Swift story. She's all over the news, all over the NFL. So uh, Taylor will be uh, talking about that, too. And then Gen Z. Maybe you are Gen Z. Maybe you know Gen Z. We're going to shine a harsh spotlight on some of your behavior. All that in the next hour. But the news is next on WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Hour number two of the big program. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. That is your way to get involved. And you can always keep answering the uh, text question of the night if you'd like. Today is National Bologna Day. Do you eat bologna? How often? In what ways? 
But let's turn our attention to maybe the way you buy baloney. You go to the store, you go to check out, and you use the self-checkouts. A lot of us love them, love the, that option. A lot of people despise that option. There's a lot of debate over whether it's good for the businesses or not. Where do you fall on self-checkouts? Do you think that it is a great marvel of technology that makes your shopping experience easier? Or do you view it as something harmful because it's taking away jobs? 855-616-1620. So retailers have been looking at this for a long time. You know, some of us, like I said, I try to use self-checkout whenever I can. Uh, I do believe that all self-checkouts should be 15 items or less because there are a lot of people who don't, who get confused by the self-checkout. Just like there's some people, and, you know, not as many anymore, but who get confused having to pay with their debit card. But for self-checkout, small items, that's what it's for. Boom, 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 let's go. Um Kroger are operating entirely via self-checkout. There is a Walmart near my house that is entirely self-checkout, uh, but they've added so many self-checkout lanes that it is... You know, I haven't been there during a holiday season, but it seems to be working pretty well. Uh, Kohl's uh, earlier this year announced plan to, plans to add self-checkout kiosks at 250 stores, and uh, fast fashion, I'm not sure what fast fashion is, but brands like Zara are rolling out self-checkouts. If you've ever gotten into a line at a not just a grocery store, well, I remember when I worked at a grocery store a long time ago as a bagger and then as a produce person, there were a lot of lanes opened for cashiers, checkers, whatever you want to call them, People who were ringing up your groceries. So even on, even when there were lines, at least there were a ton of lines open. That is not the case anymore. Most places you go, there's maybe two or three live cashiers, a lot of empty lanes, and then a small self-checkout thing. So some chains are actually looking at this. They want to add uh, certain stores are removing, though, their self-checkout and staffing up, staffing up those lanes to prevent theft. Um, different industries have different response from customers and consumers, says an associate professor at a college in Iowa. Self-checkout technology, I didn't realize this, has been in supermarkets since the 80s. Maybe not all of them. I'm guessing most, because I don't remember self-checkout back then. Usage surged during the pandemic when retailers were struggling to hire and customers wanted less human interaction. Yeah, you remember going to the stores during the pandemic, to the grocery store, and they all installed pieces of plexiglass between you and the cashier? Then you definitely wanted to go to self-checkout. It was like, I got to go. So stores were looking at this as, oh, this is the, the big argument for it, right, is for retailers they're going to lower their labor costs and improve efficiency because they're going to take up less space with these self-checkouts than they did with manned counters and checkout registers. Um, there's not much data to support that it is a faster alternative. 
Some customers, according to all the research, just don't want to interact with sales associates. Uh, how hard is it interaction with a with a sales associate? Hey, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. All right, that'll be blah blah blah. But people get people are concerned. There's, I know you've run into this when you've gone to a store with a lot of self checkouts, and there are a number of them that are always out, right? Um, so yes, they go down, they break down, they can't. Uh, despite being very expensive, they don't always work. Um, as I mentioned, they're they're designed to cut down labor costs, but that really hasn't been found to be the case yet. Albertsons has been starting to install self-checkout lanes in nearly all their stores since 2018. They had given up on self-checkout eight years prior to that, and uh, other stores have been the same way. In 2012, Kroger was adding more self-checkout devices. Uh, the chain had a ratio of about 139 employees per store compared with 158 per store as of this year. So not a huge difference. You know, 19, 19 people over the course of 365 days, all the shifts, not too much. At Target, the ratio was about, uh, in January, 226 employees per store compared with 190 per store in early 2016. So Target actually hiring more people. The number of cashiers in the country, according to federal data, has remained largely unchanged over the last decade. So I don't I don't see a problem with self-checkout. I think uh it does it does expedite things in my mind a lot, especially in a store that has more than just a couple of little uh self-checkout kiosks. I do find it frustrating when I was I was at Woodman's the other day. Last Tuesday, and I was buying some uh, some meat sticks, like a snack, you know, the little like snack meat sticks. And because of the because of the way the packaging was shrink wrapped around the meat sticks, the barcode was very wavy, and it took me forever to get the thing to scan. So, in those instances, it's a little frustrating. But in other for other reasons, it's not. But where do you stand? on self-checkouts. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. We'll get to that and some more reasons and concerns about this technology that is supposed to make our life so much easier. It's WTMJ Nights. We are talking about self-checkout. Do you love them? Do you hate them? Where do you stand on them? I, uh, I'm firmly in the pro-self-checkout lane. No pun intended. I enjoy them. According to retailers, you know, one of the reasons there some places are pulling back, they say, oh, we got to prevent shrinkage, which is theft and loss. But some losses, they're, they're saying self-checkout isn't the real, isn't the only, the real reason. It's not that people are stealing in the self-checkouts, while some might be. Uh, others are from users who, uh, user errors, because the customers don't know how to use the machine. Maybe they put something in their bag that didn't beep when it's scanned. Or you know it didn't it didn't actually scan, but they thought it did, and they put it in their bag, something like that. Uh, some companies now are pulling away. They're saying we've we've had just about enough. Walmart uh, has started to remove self checkout at some stores, but then at other stores, like I said, the one near me is 100% self checkout. You know, so 
Maybe it's, I, I don't know, what it, whatever the numbers are. Costco is, have you been to a Costco lately? Now you, you show your card to get in. Then you have to show your card again to use the self-checkout lanes because uh, they believe that, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they believe, that I came in and I gave my card to somebody else and it's not me, but uh, it's a little nuts. 855-616-1620, people have been weighing in on the old National Bank talk text line. Peter says, I've been regularly using self-checkouts from their beginning many years ago at each store I shop. Now I'm also using scan-as-you-go apps where offered, including Sam's and Meyer. In some cases, they don't even verify my scans, so I just pack up and go once I authorize payment. There's a... What? I have, I've never used one of those. Where you That's too risky. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I don't... Um, it, I'm sure it works, but I don't like the idea of putting my credit card in there and then... Just walking out and trusting. If you have a misscan and you get a rookie who doesn't know what you're doing, it's a mess. No, I don't. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not down with that one. I'm gonna. You can call me a luddite for that. I don't care. Seven oh eight. I love the self checkout. No one else has to touch my food, and it's easier to verify the price of my items. That's from Judy B. Uh, opposite eye, opposite side. One eighty degree. I hate self checkout. If I have to use it, then give me a discount. That from the 262, um, from the 414. I will use self-checkout whenever I can so that I can control what goes in each bag. When I'm stuck with a checker, the high schooler that is checking me out usually put things together that don't make sense. Oh, that was, I, I took great pride as a bagger. To, and this is, we didn't have plastic bags. This is all paper bags back in the day. Because, Matt, I worked at the general store in 1867, uh, and I would bag the groceries. But, oh, man, I could bag I could bag groceries like nobody's business. Bread always on top. Eggs always on top. Ba- the, the bags holding their rectangular shape as I filled them up. Uh, never too hard. If I noticed something, yeah, we double bag it. I don't care. I'll throw it in there, uh, get things going. Diane says, every time I can only go to a self-checkout in a store, I want to scream. Why doesn't somebody come to my work and do my job? See, now that that's two texters that brought that up. I don't uh, I don't uh, feel that way. I don't feel like I'm doing somebody else's job. I've been I've been in line, and you have too, behind people, and uh, so I, I'd rather do it myself quickly. Lewis has been holding on. He's in Menominee Falls. Hi, Lewis. Hey, how are you? I'm always here the day, now, and night. Thanks for taking my call. Listen, sure. I always, I always say that in a way we are doing the job because we, uh, it gets so so crowded that people have to make a line anyway. But the worst thing is there's no instructions whatsoever. If you were to read instructions or be trained on it, but it is assumed that we know what to do. And then you still got employees overseeing us uh, in case we get stuck. And half the time, if you got to wait something, not everybody, you know, not everybody's not too, too, too up for that because they just don't know. You can't blame them. So that is where the time is consumed, I believe. So it's by You, you know what, Lewis? For the, for I think you market. are right. Yeah. Because there have been times where something just won't scan or the wrong price will come up or. You know, you have to right. punch in the name of your produce, and it's like it's not there. Why? And you don't know. 
Yeah, you're where am I supposed here. to find the price of green beans? For them. Yeah, so that, <laughs> yeah. you're right. I guess we are in Sim some... Yeah, I, simple bananas. And, 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 and let me tell you, I've been there 10 minutes because the lady is taking care of a bunch of old senior citizens out there that are trying to... I mean, all the people trying to... I'll feel bad if I was an employee overseeing them and seeing somebody having a hard time and a real old person, older that has sometimes some issues, and, and, and just look at them. And, and if you don't call them, they don't say, hey, you got a problem? No, they're just there, you know, making a salary, watching us work. And, yes, right. I'm, with, I'm one of those persons that I say, hey, look, how about that? How time change? We do their work and we get supervised for free. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, uh, I appreciate uh, the call. Uh, Thanks a lot. You make, uh, you make some right. good points. Thank you. Th take care, buddy. Uh, from the 262, I work for Kroger and run a self-checkout. Our biggest problem with theft is not with the self-checkout. It is with the people just putting stuff in their cart and walking out. People should remember it's called self-checkout for a reason. I have other people to help. I can't just wait on one person. That's true, but there are there are a number of things that are out of our, as the consumers, that are out of our control. If certain products are not in the system, or if I, if I forget... Bananas. I, you know... If I have, uh, yeah, if I have alcohol, I got to wait for somebody to come and verify that I'm 21. If I, you know, um, if, if it doesn't, if it's not in there, I can't get it. If something's on sale on the shelf and it's ringing up at full price, um, you know, that's out, that's outside of my control. That's somebody in Kroger's IT department or, uh, Meyer's IT department or whoever's IT department screwing up and not having it done. So, Yes, maybe put another person in the self-checkout to help out instead of just one because there are things, yeah, we know it's self-checkout. We know we're responsible, and most of the time you can get through it quickly. However, there are times when you cannot, and then we need your help. All right, let's do this. Then there's more. It's WTMJ Nights. Oh, man, on the other side of the news, we got some, some Taylor Swift news. A lot of Taylor Swift news. Uh, a couple more texts on this uh, self-checkout thing. From the 708 at Walmart, the employees who ran the registers are now the people who run out your curbside pickup. Okay. Caroline in Milwaukee says, I would rather that I get a discount if I'm going to be doing all, it all by myself as well. They have had some uh, really good checkers lately, and I appreciated that. Granted, if I'm in a hurry, I know I'm faster unless the system has issues, as I've done it a lot, and I've also seen how some of these kids do, and yeah, but give me a discount. And another person, the 913, wants a discount too. Uh, if I self-check out with no assistance, should I get 3% off since I didn't need an employee? Listen, you all make a good point. Everybody wants a little something back for their effort, and I don't blame you. Um, I don't see that happening, unfortunately. Uh, but I... If I'm in a hurry, which I always am, sometimes for no reason other than I'm just in a hurry to be somewhere else other than at the store, um, I'm not going to wait in one of the very crowded lines with somebody. The, the worst thing that could happen if you have one or two items or five items is to get behind the family who's shopping doing their, their every two-week shop. Oh, man. And their cart is overflowing. And it's like, how can you people eat that much? Well, so then they go to the self-checkout. It takes forever. Oh, they can't go to the self-checkout. That's it's... No, 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 no. 
That's why I I've liked a few stores that I do see the self checkout where they say ten items or fewer. That's the best. Keeps and it I efficient. Say, All right. And then I always count. Now, will I cheat if I have eleven? Yes. Are you standing there at the front and there's two people in front of you who have 11 items and then you tell on them? 11, I don't <laughs> mind. 11, 11 to 15, I don't mind. A full cart, that's when I get upset. I'll give everybody, because, you know, there's certain things uh, that almost count together as one. So uh, one or two or three items over, I'm not going uh, to cause a stink. Uh, but I do know that I judge you if you go into a 10 items or fewer or 15 items or fewer with a full cart, know that you are being judged, sometimes not even silently. Sometimes you will hear a large harumph out of me. Like, oh, seriously? That's, that's usually it. Seriously? And, uh, and then they, people look enraged. How dare you be upset that I'm not following the rules? Well, because I'm part of society, and society is built on standards and following the rules. And if you don't want to follow the rules, well, hmm. Mm, then I don't need you. All right. Talked about Taylor Swift. We're going to talk about Taylor after the news. We're also going to talk to Gen Z. And why are you so stingy, Gen Z? Yes, you heard me. But first, it's 730, and we must go to the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom. That's where Jessica Gatso is waiting to deliver. We do have to fight for our right to party, just like the Chiefs, just like the Beastie Boys. They did like Castle because it's the best, but they go to Fat Burger when they're way out west. Just like me. All right. You can never get enough Taylor Swift news. That's my motto. That's what I firmly believe it. In a world where we are constantly bombarded by war and political misdeeds and people under indictment, people making plea deals. Speaking of that, holy cow, uh, if I'm Donald Trump, I'm starting to worry because everybody is flipping on him. Everybody's taking plea deals. Uh, Mark Meadows today flipped and took a plea deal. Oh, my goodness. Things are looking dicey. But there's always Taylor Swift. No matter how bad things get, no matter how many clouds are in the sky, the natural light of Taylor Swift shines through. And now, now that Taylor Swift is all about pro football, thanks to her still rumored, oh, we can't, uh, we can't officially say that they're together. But Swifties are all abuzz this weekend. Uh, Matt, do you follow all the Taylor Swift news? You watch football, you can't escape it. I cannot. Which, are you upset by that? I don't know how to feel in terms of that. I think initially I thought it was good. I thought it was good for the league, but I think at this point you start to see the football fans wane off the story and the Swifties are still in on it. Yeah. Well, listen, Taylor Swift is the biggest uh, the biggest star on the planet at the moment. So, okay, I got listen. I right, we're still getting to watch the games. And if you're not watching the Chiefs game, it's not like it's not like they're breaking into the Packers game and going, guess where Taylor Swift is today? She just ate a hot dog in Kansas <laughs> City. No, nobody, you know, if you're watching the Chiefs game, you see it. And then you see the stuff afterwards. Like this, very, very excited the Swifties are because a photo was published of her sweetly kissing 
her presumed beau because they haven't made it official yet. Uh, she was in a suite cheering on Travis Kelsey with uh, the Chiefs over the weekend. They were in. Um, they were playing the Chargers. Now, Shariah Gordon, not a big star, but she is dating uh, McCole Hardman Jr., who is Travis Kelsey's Just teammate. got traded back. He, did he just get traded back to the Chiefs? Yep, from the New York Jets. Oh, all right. Well, good for him. Now he gets. Now he and his girlfriend get to hang out with the Taylor Swift. So that's nice because she put up some photos of Taylor. Uh, in the first photo, there were just the four of them posing together. Um, then there's a photo of her and Taylor embracing each other. Oh, but then there's a photo showing Swift planting a kiss on Kelsey's cheek and... Everybody lost their mind. And by everybody, I just mean Swifties. And I don't know. No, I didn't lose my mind. I just went, oh, that's fun. Uh, so they haven't formally said whether they're official. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the dating scene. I don't know when you become official. Uh, I would have, I would assume you're official if you're jetting across the country every week to see each other. Um, but that's me. You know, he flew into New York to do that uh, cameo on Saturday Night Live. She, of course, has a place in New York. She's always out with her girlfriends, her girl gang, her crew, whatever they call it, her posse. Uh, They're all always out. But if you're flying across the country, Matt, you're a young man in the dating world. Does that seem official? I mean, it does. She's flying all across the country to go to football games. It has to be. Well... They're not saying. And the Swifties are telling us to leave them alone. Let them find their love on their own. That's what the Swifties <laughs> want. They don't want us to jinx it, Matt. But what what are we jinxing at this point? Well, listen, she has she has trouble with the men, with relationships. We know that. But we're not jinx- what are we jinxing by as someone who comes from the sports broadcasting <laughs> industry, if I point out something that already happened, it's not a broadcaster's jinx. Listen, you, how do you, where do you fall on the no-hitter? Do you say the words? Yes. You are awful. I, it's my job. No, it's I might not, not say, I, here's the thing, I will not say, maybe I misunderstood you. I will not say, for example, Ranger Suarez has a no-hitter entering the ninth inning. Okay, what would you I say? I will say that Corbin Burns has allowed zero hits against the Dodgers tonight. And we're in the ninth inning. Or zero okay. Dodgers have gotten a hit tonight. All right, I like, all right. Okay, I get that. Because you got to, you got to, you got to tell the story of the game. But at the same time, you got to protect it. Because there are, there are enough people who do believe in the jinx, especially with a no hitter. That you, you just. But as an announcer, as a broadcaster, you're right. You have to, you have to tell the story. But I like that you have found ways to work around it. Much like we're trying to work around, are they official yet? Uh, Travis Kelsey's dad could not speak more highly of Taylor Swift after his first meeting with her. Um, she He told People Magazine that Taylor is a, quote, very, very sweet, very charming, down-to-earth young woman. And I'll tell you something very special I noticed about Taylor the first time I met her. We're sitting in the suite uh, she gets up and in the front of the room, she gets up to go get a drink or something, and she starts picking up empty bottles, cans, and plates. That wow. Yeah. Because in the suite, he said, everybody gets stuff, and you just set it down wherever you can. 
So uh, I don't think she got the diva memo. Okay. Taylor, very considerate. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's very nice. All right, so we don't know. Here's the this one, Matt. Matt. Matt actually had this Taylor Swift story. We don't. I don't know how this came about, but um, she was spotted with Bernie Kosar, the former Browns quarterback. Uh, they were at somebody's house watching the uh, watching the Browns. Who were the Browns Colts game? Yes. Uh, Bernie. Well, Bernie's an older man. Well, Bernie's got a whole foundation. I think that was the thing with that i'm actually going to see bernie in about a week so i'll have to ask him really yeah all right yeah yeah i'll I'll have to ask him about that you know he's going to pull out his phone go did you see the pictures oh he's going to want to promote it you see i I was with taylor swift i took a couple pictures of taylor swift uh he did so yeah bernie kozar they're a nice looking house watching that game before they headed off to uh to see the chiefs game so there you go um Somebody from the 262, hey, Brian, love you, love the show, but I'm going to have to turn the dial for a little bit. Can't deal with this Taylor Swift stuff. She's already tainted sports talk radio. That's Thank the thing. Anyways. That's the thing. Here's what. Here's where I support. Who is that text from? Uh, somebody in the 262. The 262. Here's where I support you. I think that it's worth it to keep relevant, but if your dominant story, like take Los Angeles sports radio yeah. since they played the Chargers last week. If your headline story on your morning show or your afternoon drive show is that Taylor Swift was present when the Chiefs played the Chargers and that's the main storyline. That's not the story. That's not the story. I understand back when they played the Bears and that was the first Taylor Swift type thing because A, it was a Chicago reporter that initiated it all. Shout out to Jarrett Payton. And it was also... The Bears had nothing else going for them. It was one of the worst weeks in franchise history. They needed something to distract from it all. Right. Well, this is just, for us, this is just a fun little silly pop culture thing. And I think it's hilarious that it's getting as much press as it is. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't seem to be hurting the Chiefs. Which Kelsey plays better. Yeah, it's okay. So if you're a sports fan, it's not like who was uh was it Jessica Simpson with Tony Romo? Was that the one? I think so. Where everybody like that story, everybody was blaming her. This one, at least Chiefs fans aren't going, "Oh my god, she's distracting Kelsey." No, he's doing great. Everything's great. It's just it's a fun little pop culture story that we uh we love to talk about. But now, we're going to take a break. And then I need to talk to Gen Z. Uh, Matt is a member of Generation Z. Uh, maybe you know someone from Gen Z. Uh, if you can get them to listen to terrestrial radio for a few minutes, which I know is going to be a stretch for uh, the young people, uh, i got a bone to pick with you. And so do a lot of people in the service industry. We'll get to that after this. It's WTMJ Nights. All right, Gen Z. I know you take a lot of, uh, a lot of heat. You and the millennials, uh, everybody says you're killing this industry or that industry. I don't know what you're killing. But what you might be killing is tipping and the service uh, industry. Yes. So according to a new bank rate survey, Gen Z, which are people born between 1997 and 2012, is the worst generation when it comes to tipping. You tip less often than your older counterparts for almost every service 
including restaurants. What are you doing? If you can't go, if you can't go out to eat and tip, you shouldn't go out. Um, so they posited some questions. Is Gen Z ungrateful towards service workers? Matt, you are going to have to bear the, you're going to have to bear the brunt for your entire generation. So let me ask you this question. Are, are you ungrateful towards service workers, Matt? Me personally, no. My generation, yes. Wow. Why would you be ungrateful towards service workers? Because you're spoiled brats? I just think, based on the people I've interacted who are my age, it's a lack of worldliness. It's a lack oh, of awareness. They're not taught what to do. Oh, wow. All right. I, then I'm going to blame, the, uh, I'm gonna blame the, uh, the boomers and the Gen X parents for that. Um, all right. So here are some numbers versus other generations. Let's break it down. About 35% of Gen Zers say that they always tip at sit-down restaurants. 83% of baby boomers do the same. Only 24% of Gen Z uh, always tip their, let's see, Gen Z uh, always tip their hairdresser, stylist, or barber. I always tip my barber. Oh, yeah, you have to. Yeah, or else they're going to. You're going to do a hatchet job on your head. 70% of baby boomers always tip those services. Only, not even 25%, not even one in four Gen Zers. That explains why everybody's wearing a knit stocking cap. Because <laughs> they haven't tipped their barbers and they look like, oh boy. All right. This is something I, I don't understand. My daughter, you know, my daughter was working away from home during the pandemic. She orders, and even now she orders, she orders food a lot. She cooks. She's a very good cook, but she also orders a lot. So only 31% always tip the delivery drivers. That's horrible. And at taxis and ride shares, only 22% of Gen Zers always tip their drivers versus 56% of baby boomers. 62% um, of baby boomers tip food delivery drivers. I would never have somebody bring food to my house and not tip them. Never. Because ha having delivered pizza, I understand how important those tips are. Um, only one place, Matt, does your generation come out on top. But I don't think it's as big a flex as uh, Gen Zers may want. 15% of them always tip for home services and repairs, compared to 6% of baby boomers. That's not a flex. Yeah, it's not it's not that much. It's more I'm surprised I I'm trying to think. Like my mom, who's 86, she always throws she always throws uh, people who come and do repairs at the house, you know, like 10 bucks. She always says go get a cup of coffee. She throws them like 10 bucks. Um but that and that's that generation. I don't usually if so yeah, if somebody comes to my house to do a repair, whether it's a plumber or a HVAC or electrician or something, I don't, I don't tip them because it's included, right? And a lot of times they're the they're the sole proprietor, you know. Exactly. I'm calling Bob's Plumbing, and Bob comes to my house, so my money is already going to Bob. He's the owner. The only place I don't worry about worry if the person's an owner is like a hairdresser, pizza, not. So the 920 Pizza also has a $7 delivery fee, but I don't, I don't think the driver... The driver doesn't get that. $7. No, that's, they might get a dollar for gas because gas has gone so far up, but they're not getting that whole $7. Um, 
So Gen Z, the worst about tipping, some people say it's uh, income because the more studies... That's not an excuse. I know. I like your excuse. I'm just giving out these. But I do think you, the worldly thing... Now, who taught you how to tip? My parents, my grandparents. Was it just for... You just watch them, right? Well, I watch how they do. They explain how to do it. And when I was, you know, in middle school, early high school, it's the age where... My parents trusted to leave me home alone on a night out, and they just say, here's X amount of money, order a pizza, be sure to tip the delivery driver, he'll be here at 6.15. Okay. And it's little things like that, because they'd say, okay, here's the $20 bill for the pizza, or however how much it was, and then they'd say, okay, these $5 are for the driver. Same thing for the haircut. I used to go to my barber with my dad, and... He would make me personally, as young as four years old, I would walk up to my barber and hand him at the time, her right now, the two things separate. It would be the fee for the haircut and then the tip on top. And my dad would intentionally place the $2 bills in separate hands and tell me which one was for. And so it's ingrained in my mind right now that, okay, a haircut costs $20. I need $5 more for tip. Right. And we did, it's funny, your, your dad did that. We did the same with our daughter. It was like, okay, she's like, oh, I want to go pay, you know, when she was little. Little kids like to go and pay at the counter. It's like, okay, go pay, and then we'd wait. She'd come back with the change, and we'd say, okay, now when the waitress comes, this is for her, so you give that to her. Okay. And she learned, and I think, I hope she's a good tipper. I'm, I would imagine she is, um, even though she is also in that uh, in your group the uh the gen z's but i i think you're right in the fact that we make it when you make excuses um that's and the worst excuse this was this was the worst excuse in this article matt and i want your uh i want you to comment on it they say it's not us it's not gen z's we're not selfish or spoiled or uh, you know not knowledgeable tipping is the problem well Okay. The whole culture of tipping sets apart a a, a class of people. So it, it it encourages workers to fight over things. It uh, encourages discrimination, and it is not fair. And I'm like, shut up. You're Here's where I split cheap. that. I split that last comment in two, because I think that the United States should adopt a model that's similar to Europe, where service is included. Yeah. But that's a whole separate issue. I don't think that's an excuse for Gen Zers in the United States and Western culture to not tip. It's a system we have to deal with. We have to do it right. If they right, transition the to the IHOP yeah. is not changing the exactly, norms. exactly. If we it's eventually transition to the European model, then fine. Yeah, or if you go into one of these, there's there's some restaurants that have changed their tipping policy and they don't have it. And I get, listen, I get tipping fatigue based on all these screens that I have. You handed me something. I'm not tipping you for that. Uh, and if, so we're, all right, we're out of town this weekend, right? And we go, we had ordered some uh, cookies, like uh, sugar cookies shaped like footballs and like the state of Illinois with a big dot that said SIU. Um, and... They didn't, they didn't charge my wife when she ordered them, so we go into the bakery, and a uh, very nice young lady was working at the counter, and we, our, our cookies were ready, and we bought a couple other things, and then we paid. And my wife paid with a card, 
and um, you know they she spun the screen around, and I had seen my wife take money and put it in the tip jar that was right there, and my wife felt guilty, and she said, "Hey, I just want you to know I didn't put anything on here because I put the money in the jar," and the girl's like. I, I saw you, thank you, uh, but we don't look at that anyway, so don't worry about it. But, you know, so people people are upset about the screens, but you can't change the entire culture just because you're feeling like a social justice warrior, and uh, it is unfair for people to work for a low minimum wage and re rely on tips. Well, Timmy didn't. Chi well, Timmy from England didn't tip, why should I? Well, Because the culture's different. Right, exactly. It was, and it is weird when you're overseas, and you don't quite know. Like some places, it's very clear that you're not supposed to tip. Some places in the pubs, I still tipped because everybody, you know, that's you're in a you're in a uh, you're in a pub, and you're going to throw your uh, bartender something. All right, on the other side of the news. Hazing is rearing its ugly head, and a couple of people in the Senate are trying to do something about it. We'll talk about that and more news after this. WTMJ Nights. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome to Hour 3 of the big program. If you missed any of the show, oh my goodness, uh, it is podcast at WTMJ.com. Matt and Tommy and everybody do a great job of uh, putting the shows together. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. That's how you get involved in the program. Uh, I will say this. I was never in a fraternity, um, so I never had to go through certain hazing rituals that happened at fraternities. Uh, I was never on a, uh, the teams I was on in high school, we did not have hazing. I went to a Catholic high school. We did not, uh, we did not have hazing. I didn't play college ball, so I didn't have to deal with that. But um, hazing, I would say hazing is back, but hazing actually has never left. And for all the things that we argue about in Congress and the Senate, some things can be agreed on in a bipartisan fashion, which in this day and age almost seems miraculous that people can cross the aisle and come to some sort of agreement. I would like to know from you if you've ever been a victim of hazing. If you had to go through, even if you, and I say victim of hazing, even if you knew and agreed to it, like if you were pledging a sorority or a fraternity and you knew that during hell week something was going to happen and it was not going to be pleasant, but you were willing to undergo it to be part of that group, or if you were on a team and there was hazing involved, I'd love to hear from you and hear your stories because a couple of senators are doing their best to make sure that colleges have to report hazing incidents because right now they do not. And one couple has been urging Congress for about eight years because their son died in a fraternity hazing ritual at a university in New Jersey. Uh, he got acute alcohol poisoning because of this uh, hazing. So 
A new bill was introduced in the Senate late last month. It was announced uh, today, and it would force colleges and universities to disclose exactly how many hazing incidents happen on their campuses each year. It's uh, the Senate's version of the Stop Campus Hazing Act. It's been sponsored by Bill Cassidy, who is a Republican from Louisiana, and Amy Klobuchar, who is a Democrat from Minnesota. Uh, she is the lead sponsor, and it would broaden the definition of hazing and require hazing incidents to be specifically included in colleges' annual crime reports. I guess I didn't realize, or I have forgotten, because I know when my daughter was leaving for college, we, like every parent, kind of looked up the crime reports. Uh, how safe is the campus? And there is, all all the universities have this on their website. Okay, we've had this many burglaries and this many assaults and blah, blah, blah. But they never had to put hazing in there. So uh, according to the sponsors of this bill, they say, hey, look, parents and students should know and have a right to know how much of this is going on on that campus. Has it led to hospitalizations? Has it led to injuries? Has it led to deaths? Um so they've they've tried this before, and uh, they've tried for years to get changes going. Uh, this is the legislation that they're saying, hey, this has the the best chance of any anti hazing legislation. Uh, it is bipartisan. It's got backed. It's being backed by influential Greek life groups, um, and this is you know it's been going on. But this summer we got to start debating the hazing situation again because of Northwestern's football team and then their baseball team. Um, and I know I've had this, over the years, I've had this discussion with uh, athletes who seem to think that hazing is an integral part of team building. And I could never understand that. And that was also the justification for fraternity hazing and sorority hazing, uh, that it builds it builds a family, it builds uh, a like mindset between everybody. Everybody then feels they've, they've proven themselves to this group. And for me, that was the biggest reason I didn't want to join a fraternity. Now, granted, when I was in school at uh, Southern Illinois, the, the Greek system was very little. Uh, two of my brothers pledged and went through and are members of fraternities. But I, I never could understand wanting to join a group that is willing to do that to you just so you can prove your loyalty. It's not like the mafia. You know, there's no omerta. It's, you know, I don't have to have a blood oath. I'm not joining a street gang. I don't have to get jumped in. Uh... I wanted to wear three Greek letters on my chest. That's all. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be dying of acute alcohol poisoning, just for doing that. Um. I don't know, Matt. You're you're around athletes all the time, and now you're around collegiate athletes calling these games. Do you think hazing has any part of any any place in sports? Yeah, zero place in sport. I think you look at what we've seen out of Northwestern, both in their football and baseball programs, it just doesn't... I struggle to see how it does anything to 
produce a successful product on and off the field. Yeah, and I see, you know, uh, when you watch Hard Knocks, there's it's different because, like, I guess there's levels of hazing. I don't guess. I know. Because sometimes the, you know, the rookies will have to carry, if, if you're a rookie running back, you got to carry the... Uh, the veteran running back's helmet and shoulder pads out to the I field. wouldn't define that. I don't think that's hazing. That's not that's not hazing having a rookie pick up a team dinner for the position group. That's having not the hazing. Rookies have to do a, a variety show where they sit. Yeah. Here's where here's where I draw the line with hazing. And hazing is any sort of abuse and anyone who calls oh well the veterans abusing the rookie by making him carry his helmet to the locker room. No. No, he's not. No, that that's not hazing. That's that's hey, you've got to earn your way up. Exactly. That's, that's all that is. You've got to earn your spot. Uh, now, if they're hitting them with a helmet the entire walk back to the locker room, that's different. That's hazing. Um, so for uh, for athletes, there's it. It always seems to be more violent. And more sexual. Whenever you hear about, uh, like, well, it, with the Northwestern case, for example, or anytime you hear about a college hazing scandal, the hazing is, it's repulsive. It's like, what do you, why would you, why would you ever want to be part of a team like that? Except that you're, you know, if you are getting a full ride and you know your parent, you can't, uh, you you can't go somewhere else. Your parents can't afford this by themselves. So you're going to put up with stuff, um, no matter no matter what happens. And I don't I don't understand that mentality that goes along with it. So uh, the new bill is going to compel colleges to publish the hazing prevention policies on their websites, and exactly which organizations on campus have violated these policies. Um, there is a Stop Campus Hazing Act. It improves transparency and ensures hazing is never ignored. Both private and public schools are required, as I said, to release their crime statistic each year. That's by uh, order of the Gene Cleary Act that was passed in 1990. The reports include a variety of crime data, as we talked about, crime, uh, burglary, arson, sexual abuse. Um, so even as hazing incidents have continued, in many cases, killing or permanently disabling people. Hazing has never been among the statistics. Well, that would change over this. Uh, it's been endorsed by a lot of Greek like or, or Greek life organizations, uh, the North American Interfraternity Conference, the uh, National Panhellenic Conference, the Cleary Center, which is a nonprofit that helps colleges and universities meet the federal reporting standards, and. Um, you know, people have always looked at it as and minimized it as not uh, not a big deal. Hazing, not a big deal. But so the definition of hazing under this new bill would include any intentional, knowing, or reckless act committed against a student. And this is the important part. Regardless of that student's willingness to participate, the act must be committed in connection with an organization, such as a club, fraternity, or athletic team, and pose a, quote, substantial risk of physical injury, mental harm, or degradation. And then new prevention training would also be rolled out. Um, at least one hazing death has been reported every year 
since 1959 to 2021. And that's according to a database that's uh, updated by a hazing expert and uh, professor emeritus at Franklin College. So this could be this could be the uh, the time. And I'm I think I think it's great that it's bipartisan. I think it's fantastic that the uh, the Greek life groups are getting behind it. If now we could just get the sports teams to get behind it, I think that would be uh, fantastic. What do you think about this? And have you had any sort of history of having to endure something like this, whether it was to get into a fraternity? And I know even, even now, like my brothers will never talk about it. Oh, it's super secret. And I don't know if it's super secret because, you know, it's super secret for national security reasons, or if this stuff is just so heinous that you don't want to ever think about it again. Like once you get through it, you got to move on. We'll get to that and so much more. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. It's WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights. Yeah, I saw Animal House and I thought, ooh, I want to be in a fraternity. Uh, they didn't, they did, uh, I'm trying to think if they haze those guys, if they haze Flounder and Pinto. Uh, There's really no hazing in that move. I mean, I'm not going to get into the details, but yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, I don't think so. Other than making, uh, you know, borrowing Flounder's brother's car to go see uh, Otis Day in the Nights. That yeah, there was no. Um, old school. There was some hazing. There you know. Oh, I'm trying to think. Now I'm thinking about the entire film. They did all. They showed was in the basement where the active uh, fraternity brothers were looking at the pictures of. The uh, the pledges and voting on them. Will you consider now, the initiation in Animal House hazing? The Kevin Bay in the other fraternity. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes, that is definitely hazing. That was uh, that was Niedermeyer's frat, and then the uh, the hazing for the uh, uh, what do you call it? The R uh, ROTC when Flounder was in the stables. Is that your pledge pin? Uh, so yes, that's, uh, that was pledging, but the Deltas did not haze. So for all their, for all their poor choices, the men of Delta house did not, did not, uh, did not haze anybody. Peter says, I attended a private college where the fraternity system was an integral part and there was hazing of new pledges, but at least in my day in the seventies, it was mostly silly, demeaning, harmless stunts like streaking across a lecture hall or extinguishing lights on campus signs to spell out uh, to spell out Greek abbreviations for the fraternities. All right, uh, John wants to jump in in Wauwatosa. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? Nice show. It's, thank you. Any, anyways, uh, went to Oshkosh back in '67, '68, '69. Blah blah blah. Uh, fraternity. Can I name the name? Sure. Why not? Phi Sigma Epsilon, Phi Phi Chapter, Phi Sigma Epsilon. Okay. Anyways, you know, the hazing for the most part was, you know, dressing somebody, you know, dressing one of the guys up nowadays would be really weird. As a girl, taking them out to a, a, a bar and rip on or something like that with all the farmers and letting them go in there. But one of the more creative hazing things had to do with they would take a string and tie it to your privates. Okay. Run that string up through your pants, 
down your sleeve and have like a foot of string hanging out, tie a pen to that, and then you had your pledge book. And they would tie a pen to that string. Anyways, you'd go to the student union and the Kyos and the Alpha Fees. Everybody's got their own little area. You'd have to right. go over there with your pledge book, hand them the pencil, and say, here, could you sign my pledge book? Well, they knew what was going on. So they'd get a giggle, we'd get a groan, and I'd get my signature, and everybody went away happy. But that was really probably the worst thing that we had. Hell week, we had 20-some people, all our pledges. We pulled it off. We got together. We snuck out of Oshkosh. We spent the night. We captured one of the actives, took him up to a cottage overnight, and that was that. But good times. When I saw (laughs) Animal House, it's like, that's my life. That was my life. You know, sleeping on an ironing board for a couple nights and wearing burlap underwear and, you know, Plain bombardier where they drop eggs in your mouth. That was that's stuff we did. It was fun. Nowadays, <laughs> well, uh, John, I'm glad you survived. Now, how long would that yeah. go? Was that like a week, or how long was the that that process? Uh, we pledged for I, I want to say it was like three four weeks. Okay, but then we had Hell Week, and on the, the first night of Hell Week, that's when we we pulled off. What, uh, what do we call it, an escape or something like that. And we were able to, to capture one of the actors and take them with us up to this cottage on uh, up by Boulder Junction. You know, memorable night because here's a bunch of college people really drunk, and 2 o'clock in the morning, half a dozen guys want to go out in a canoe on the lake. <laughs> so, yes. So glad I survived. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks for the call, John. I appreciate it. Uh, that's... Anytime, man. Have a, have a good one. Thank you. You too. Yeah, it, there's somewhere. Okay. Um, times times change, and we can't hold everything to the same standard nowadays that we had before. And um, is it silly? To like again now, you wouldn't dream of putting having your fraternity pledges dress up like women and go to a bar or something. But back in the sixties and seventies, that was that was a, a a usual prank. And I'm not going to say it was wrong because back then people just did that stuff. Would I do it today? No. But again, like John said, it was a long time ago. Then burlap underwear. Uh, Boy, that that doesn't sound comfortable. Nothing that that just sounds bad. And the I I thought when John was describing the tie uh, tie your 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 willy to a string, I was like, oh, this is going to be like in old school where they tied him to a brick and threw him off the uh, off the ledge, but they had more than enough rope. But I had I had never heard the thing about coming up through pants and shirt and then having it out of pen. So if someone just took your pen gently. That would be lovely, but if they yanked it out of your hand, oh boy. Now that that wouldn't go today. Again, if you're if you're listening with 2023 20, ears and a 2023 20, mentality, I understand, and I'm very happy about this stop college hazing bill. I just think some of, if if you survived and that was your thing, that's fine. But there's I'm sure even back then when there were some good natured pranks. There was other stuff 
that was not good natured, and that's what that's what we need to keep uh, looking at today. From the two six two, I remember back in my day, they'd make you wet your uh, in front of girls at the bar. Oh my goodness, harsh. All right, can spicy food kill you? Well, we'll figure it out. Now, there's there's a that's one of those news teases where they want you to panic for the next few minutes. I'll do that. Can spicy food kill you? We'll talk about it next on WTMJ Nights. Anti-hazing bill that has been uh, moving through the Senate. Uh, James is on the south side. He wants to jump in. Hey, James. How are you doing there, Brian? I'm good. Thank you. The one thing that I think is still going on these days is uh, when you cross the equator in the, in the Navy and that, you can go from polywalk to a shell back and they... They let you. They line you up whether you're the lowest person on the ship there or the officers in that, and cut your hair and give you a couple good whacks with a wet uh, wet belt. I'll tell you, you'll feel that. Wow. I okay. Yes, and, uh, you'd be surprised uh, how that goes. No, I would not like that, James. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's. We talked the other night about why uh, that. Uh, Recruitment for the armed services is down. Getting whacked with a wet belt might be one of them. All right. I enjoy spicy food. Maybe you do, too. Uh, but can spicy food be deadly? Dun, dun, dun. Where do you fall on spice, Matt? Can't stand it. Really? What do you eat, just uh, rice? Oatmeal? I mean, I can take a little bit, but I'm, I'm not going for, uh, you know, cilantro and... Uh, well, cilantro is not spicy. All these other like spicy foods. All right, cilantro. Cilantro is not spicy at all. But uh, I get what you're saying. So you don't like you don't like uh, hot sauce. No. Uh, you don't like spicy wings. No. That kind of stuff. Wow. Any wing spot, the greener on the green to yellow, brown, <laughs> red chart, the better. Okay. All right. Well, everybody. Now, I like spice to a certain point. I am not. I can't handle the far end of the spice chart i'm more i'm a little bit uh right of the center so i go into the red a little but like one of my buddies and one of my brothers they can eat the stuff all the way at the other end um there's a oh boy i hate to say it but there's a tiktok trend you know i i i don't follow the tiktok trends unless i read about the tiktok trends um there is a one chip challenge have you heard of this matt no all right, well, you're supposed to eat an extremely spicy chip, one chip made by the company Packy, and see how long you can go without food or drink. What are uh, we doing? Well, unfortunately, one teen died last month in Massachusetts. They're still trying to see if, if the chip challenge was part of the cause of death. Um, so experts were asked, can spicy food kill you? And according to one gastroenterologist at NYU, uh, spicy can mean a lot of things. The heat-like spice we're talking about is specifically connected to capsaicin, a chemical compound that's an active component of chili peppers and gives them the taste. And it's also that oil where if you even handle, like I grew some hot peppers this summer, the kind that uh, if you buy the, you know, if you buy a canister of hot pepper flakes, they're those little tiny red ones. So I grew those, and they were like, don't even touch them with your bare hands. I'm like, oh, boy. 
Um, so on a psychological level, they say, according to this gastroenterologist, when we eat spicy foods, sweating, tingling of the lips and the mouth, and a burning sensation on the tongue, those are on the physiological level. Um, those reactions are actually our body's way of cooling down after the capsaicin binds to the nerve receptors in our stomach, sending a pain to signal the brain. It does not make eating spicy food sound at all appetizing. Just listening to this, reading that, it's like, oh boy. Um, some people, myself included, uh, even experience reflux following the ingestion of spice. Oh, that is the worst. Um, the main thing we talk about when discussing spicy food is reflux, according to a different gastroenterologist. Often the recommendation to someone who notices spicy foods cause reflux or an increase in acid is to limit the ingestion of spicy foods. But what fun is that? I know that's just common sense to say, well, if, it's, if it hurts you, don't do it. They say what's more interesting is uh, about why some people can tolerate it. Like Matt doesn't like spicy. I can tolerate a little bit of spice. My wife is, I think, in between Matt and myself. She likes spice, but not too, too much spice. So why, why is that? Why can some of us tolerate it and some of us can't? Well, uh, the experts were all like, eh, there's not much research on that. But could be genetic predisposition, life experience, or and exposure to the food. So I guess if you grew up in a house where your parents made spicy food, whatever whatever nationality you are, and the, the food is spicy, you just build up a tolerance to that. Um, continuous exposure to flavors may potentially increase one's tolerance to spice. That also means that growing up eating the likes of hot peppers, uh, Sichuan sauce, and more have actually contributed to some folks' high tolerance. Exposure profile may be involved in the conversation. Someone may have lived in a house with more bland food. Yes, oh, my wife grew up in a house. Her mom used almost no spice in foods. When, she's passed away now. But when I would go there, like when we were first dating and stuff, and I'd go there for dinner, bleh, nothing. And I didn't carry a bottle of hot sauce with me, which was a mistake. Awful. Um, so everyone's for tolerance. For, everyone's tolerance is different. Um, and the question that I asked at the beginning, can spicy food kill you? I'm not going to make you wait anymore. That was that would have been that'd be rude if I did that. Uh, it's unlikely that spicy foods could kill you, according to another doctor. Uh, they said I've never heard of spicy food killing someone, uh, but perhaps the severe stomach pain caused by the food may potentially lead to catastrophic situations. So when it comes to the one-chip challenge, you're eating this chip that is extremely painful. Your body is basically going into shock as if it was stabbed, and your adrenaline shoots up. Um, despite these uncomfortable effects, actually dying from the indigestion is far from likely. So that's good, right? If you're, you know, um, <laughs> there to answer the question, no, you're not going to die if you eat something too spicy. I've heard this for years and years. Is it better to drink water or something else, Matt, do you think, if you've eaten something that's too spicy? Something else. You are absolutely correct. Some sort of fat-based drink, perhaps milk, because, and I was today years old when I realized, found this out, the capsaicin will not, is a, uh, 
it's fat soluble so it's not going to uh, not going to change by water water is not going to do it so drink milk uh, have a milkshake have something fat based um, to cool down your mouth from the 414 there's spicy and then there's ridiculous Mildly to moderately spicy is actually beneficial if done long-term. Cultures that utilize some heat routinely have much lower incidence of ulcers and gastric cancers. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I, en I enjoy the spice. But have you, I, have you ever watched that wing thing? What, I, I forget what it's called, but they increasingly get the wings hotter and hotter. I've never. It's, on, it's online. Celebrities go on there, and the celebrities try to eat... Uh, Try to eat really spicy food, spicy wings, and then they just keep going. Um, I don't know. Have you never liked spice? Did you? Did your? Did you not have spicy foods growing up? I did. I just never liked the burning sensation. It was just never there for me. Yeah. And then the one time, there have been many times, sort of tying our last two topics together. Oh, all right. At a restaurant during the NCAA tournament, and. If a certain game went a certain way, someone would have to eat a blazing wing. Okay. Let's just say I didn't have a good day, and the blazing wing did not taste good. Oh. No, see, that that to me sounds like hazing. I'd agree. Yeah, that's because that's going to that, uh, humiliate you. It's going to cause you discomfort and pain. No, I would never make, I would never make somebody eat something... Unless I was on the Amazing Race, if I'm on the Amazing Race, and you got to eat, uh, that's adrenaline. Whatever, I don't care if I have to eat, whatever. The other night, because we watch, I still watch the Amazing Race just for the countries that it's in. And this time, there's not too many. I think I may have mentioned this. Not too many contestants that I don't care for. There's a lot of the teams that are pretty good, but they had to. Uh, I forget where they were, and they had to eat a two-pound bowl of caviar. That's a lot of caviar. And if you was it a roadblock? Uh, it was a challenge. So they all yeah, it was a detour or a, okay. maybe it was a roadblock something. But it was the thing, and it was like, uh, hey, uh, who's uh, who can do this? And oh my God, nobody made it through unscathed. They were these people were first of all caviar is gross. It's very salty. Uh, I could eat maybe a couple crackers worth, but a two-pound bowl of caviar, no. Then was it? It was last season, I think, or or maybe an early. They uh, they had to stop at a food truck and they had to eat a big plate of uh, fried bugs. That one I'd do because it's fried and everything's okay fried. You're not gonna, you know, maybe you get a little gush when you bite into some giant beetle that's been deep fried, but that's uh, you know, that's not too bad. Some things, some things I'm glad on The Amazing Race I wouldn't have to eat. Have you ever seen anything on there, Matt, that you went, oh, God. no thank you? Way back in the day, it was some type of bug. I'm talking like season 22. They're big on bugs. They've had eyeballs on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it just it's like, oh, no. I At that point, shove it down your throat. You got a million dollars on the line. Yeah. Oh, you, you got to do it. There's no, you know. You don't get to you don't get to debate it. You just got to do it. Hot ones with Sean Evans uh, is the show on YouTube. Thank you, four one four Texter, for that tip in. All right, let's do this. Then we'll have more. It's WTMJ nights. 
Ryan Noonan, WTMJ Knights, 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank Talk text line. That is how you can get involved in the program. I know you've seen this story about this pilot that tried to shut down the engines on this flight. First of all, what a jerk. I, I was trying to find the right descriptor without uh, violating FCC law or FCC regulations, but we'll go with jerk. All right, so if you haven't heard it, uh, a, an Alaska Airlines flight was going from Washington State to San Francisco Sunday. Um, an off-duty pilot was riding up in the jump seat, the extra seat in the cockpit. A lot of pilots do that if they're between flight, they're going back to a different airport, whatever. That's uh, that's all fine and uh, fine and dandy. Alaska Airlines pilot Joseph Emerson is 44. He attempted to cut off the fuel to the engines, but the rest of the airline's captain and first officer kept the engines from failing completely. So um, then the flight crew subdued him, took him to the back. Everything was everything worked out fine for thankfully. But he's now uh, been charged in Oregon with 83 felony counts of attempted murder, 83 counts of reckless endangerment, and one count of endangering an aircraft. As of Tuesday afternoon, which is this afternoon, uh, he was expected to go to court. This story I, I saw earlier today. And they said they don't believe the incident was an act of terrorism or ideologically motivated violence. Uh... That's law enforcement thought that they believed it may have been the result of a mental health episode. Well, 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 guess what happened? So right before I came, we came on the air tonight, I was watching the network news, and they said that he did mushrooms for the first time before he took the flight. And at one point, he was in the cockpit, and he was like, I am not doing well. And I've never done mushrooms, so I don't know what the reaction is. Maybe if you've taken mushrooms, you can tell me, have you ever been somewhere on mushrooms and you just thought, i got to end this right now. So I, there's, those, there's two levers, I guess, and from what I, what I understand is when you pull the levers, uh, a valve on the wings shuts down, and then the gas can't get to the engine. So he pulled those, but because the flight crew, or the captain and the, uh, the first officer, reacted so quickly and reset them, there was enough, there was still enough fuel in the hose on the engine side of the valve that the engines didn't shut down and they opened them immediately so the fuel just kept flowing. So that was it. But yeah, he did mushrooms and then he got in this confined little space and he freaked out. Uh, probably not, in hindsight, not the best decision he's made. Because up until this point, he had passed all his certifications. He had passed all his medical tests. His neighbors all said, well, he was such a very nice guy. Neighbors always say that. They did say he was a little quiet, which is like, uh-oh. I have a, a new word quiet. for you, Brian. You, you said jerk was the right word to describe this guy? No, no, no. Jerk was the one I... Jerk, selfish ass is the better way. I have moron. Moron is good. Uh, like I'm gonna that. fly. I'm gonna. I'm gonna deadhead and fly jump, and I'm gonna. Uh, well, come I'm on. Gonna do some shrooms. I don't have to fly. I'm just gonna, and I'm gonna try it for the first time now. It'd be like, you know what? I've I've never had a drink. I'm gonna have a couple right now. How's that gonna work out? Not well. And again, I don't know 
the effect that mushrooms have on people. I don't know if you get if you start to see things. I don't know if you hear things. Uh, if there's, I, I don't know. So I really would like. I know somebody who's listening is either on mushrooms, which is why you're still listening. Thank you, or you've done mushrooms. So why would why would he freak out? Because that's now that's the new uh, that's the new story that he freaked out. Now. I'm sure they're going to run some blood tests to find out that if he really, um, if he really did have mushrooms in his system, because if not, yeah, it doesn't work. But if he did, you know, does that? First of all, uh, that doesn't change anything. Well, if he did, it's an indictment on the airline. Well, it, he was he was off duty. He was off duty, and but he's got to be fired. But well, he's got, he, he's got to have his he, license revoked. That's a non-question. Yeah. He can't be flying ever again. But the thing is, though, you have to think about, we don't know the reason why he deadheaded. And for those of you who don't know that term, it's whenever a crew member takes up a seat. But if he was doing it to get to another point of departure, that means he likely is flying, actually flying, within 24 hours after he lands on that flight. Now, he could be visiting family. I know pilots who fly standby. I have family members who are pilots who deadhead to see me if there's an open jump seat. So it could be that, but still. Right. Yeah, it, it, he could be going home from, you know, he, he may have flown, done his regular flight to Washington State and then was going on vacation or leave or day off, whatever, and was flying back. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reasons that he was in the jump seat. So he was in the cockpit. If he had just been out, I've seen flight attendants and pilots and officers who were deadheading, but they were usually sitting out in that extra, the extra flight attendant seat just outside the cockpit. But he was inside the cockpit, which made it seem like as soon as he, as he, he freaked out, he had access to all of the, uh, all the equipment. And that's not good. Not good at all. But uh, that's why. And I'm sorry to Jessica Gatso. She, uh, she heard we were doing this story. She found out that I had scooped her on the mushrooms. And, um, but don't worry, Jessica. I, uh, you know, we've already, Matt, we've already had uh, beef with the newsroom. We don't want any more beef with the newsroom. Oh, man. She's going she's gonna to report it uh, seriously. You'll hear it in about the five minutes. We'll all be there. I'm just going to be, you know. I'm just being goofy. All right, we've got a couple more days for this. Uh, so i got to ask you, does your shower or tub look like the setting of a creepy horror movie? Dingy, moldy, gross, and out of date? Just plain creepy? Well, then you've got to sign up for the Sidex Creepiest Shower Contest. Take a picture of your nightmare of a bathroom or shower, upload it to our website on WTMJ.com, and be entered to win a free tub or shower conversion. It's an upgrade up to $10,000. But you don't need $10,000. It's going to be absolutely free. So here's how you do it. Text the word SIDEX to the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, to upload that picture and show us your creepy shower space. Submissions are open until October 27th, so get entered. All right, that is it for us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the program. Matt, thanks for all your help. 
Uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow at 8 o'clock. It's, uh, there's a Bucks preseason special from 6 to 8, and then we'll be on from 6 to 9. So we'll talk to you then. News comes your way after this on WTMJ.